Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. I am your host, Micah Patria, joined by the one and only Harris Kermani here, breaking down this seven-game Thursday card. It is February 10th. Nice little slate of action. Uh, you know, It's also deadline day, Harris. I know it's one of the most exciting days for every NBA fan out there. A lot of rumors are swirling. Uh, are you going to have the time to kind of monitor the Woj or at least get the notifications? Or are you going to be working? I mean, I'll be working, but I'll always have those notifications on. I think I have like four or five different guys that are always on my uh, top uh, top instant notification as far as tweets are concerned. So definitely got an eye on. I mean, we saw a decent amount of movement yesterday. You know, there's still moves happening today. But really, I mean, the eyes on a number of these pieces, especially you know, as a Raptors fan, a lot of these uh, big men that are on the potential move here that we're hoping that at least one of them can come on and take on some of this uh, Dragic, Boucher, Flynn nonsense from our side to be able to give us a little bit more depth that we're looking for. So let's see how it goes. In Masai, we trust. Enjoy Dwight Powell, my friend. That was weird, guy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, have, you have him, you enjoy him, and we'll end up with Dragic. I, I've been saying it from the start of the year. No, I do think you guys are going to end up moving on a big man. That's the painful part about being a Mavericks fan. We have no assets. Like, we're getting nothing other than, you know, a ninth man off the bench for another team's rotation that will end up being our seventh man off the the bench so uh is what it is it's all good but we're gonna dive right into things before we do though quick shout out to thrive fantasy guys you always hear me talk about thrive fantasy if you do not know what they are you got to get with the program you got to jump on board because thrive is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props with thrive you eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets to build your lineup, and each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under, based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive is over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly for the NBA and has awarded over $6 million so far. When you head over there and sign up, use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or visit their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. All right, my good friend. First game of the night, Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Detroit. They are taking on the Pistons. Cade Cunningham, Josh Jackson, both questionable. Killian Hayes is probable. And then we have Isaiah Livers ruled out for the Grizzlies. Dylan Brooks continues to be out as well as Killian Tilly, Xavier Tillman. Tyrell Terry, check Vegas for the odds on this one. Looks like it is a 225 game total. Memphis favored by nine. Pass it over to you. Talk about the Grizzlies for me. Yeah, and much like the rest of the top of the West, they're all on crazy winning streaks right now. So they're all just trying to do what they can to keep it going to make sure that they maintain their spot. Grizzlies are definitely going for home field advantage here. And at a three-game win streak here, they'll be looking to get it to four. In a game that probably isn't one from a fantasy perspective that I'm all super interested in. I expect it to not be all that close, even though Detroit's at home. Uh, John, I'm going to go ahead and just straight up avoid in this matchup. I think there's other superior options in the 9,000s as far as this slate is concerned. But I do have interest, as I always do, in Jaron Jackson. More so for this kind of a matchup where he will be an absolute nightmare for the uh, for Isaiah Stewart, who's been getting more minutes now. I'm going to talk about a little on the other side when I get there. But even though he didn't have a great game the first time around, just in general, he's just been on fire as far as his production is concerned. And it's not even with great shooting, by and large. I mean, he's that 
two out of three games where he shot well, but it's the it's the boards that are finally getting back up to you know a level that you expect. He's been on six boards a game for the season, and frankly, that's below where he should be. But we've seen two double-digit rebound games now, and his stocks are getting back up there as well. I mean, averaging about two stocks a game in each of those, uh, each of the last five, which is excellent. And as far as his uh, price tag is concerned at 7,300, there's lots of room, even if he plays only about uh, 28 to 30 minutes, you should be able to pay that off pretty consistently. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, also Desmond Bain, just from a situation where he needs to get right. Uh, he's had two off games now, and that's brought his price tag down, and I feel it is just a bit too cheap now. And with small forward eligibility, a guy who's going to be shooting somewhere close to 20 shots a game when everything is normal and going for him. He's had you know, two stinkers, in fact, three stinkers, as far as his shooting is concerned, but I do believe that uh, he'll get himself right. There is lots of upside here against a Detroit team that's obviously struggling, obviously tanking, could potentially be without some of their players if trade deadline stuff ends up working out. So we're going to have to keep an eye out on all of that. But those are my major uh, major targets. And then, of course, if you're a GPP hound, DeAnthony Melton is always in play. Same with Brandon Clark. It's you know it's one of those where it, even if things don't work out, they'll probably hit somewhere close to their 5x value. But, of course, if, uh, if they happen to have a great night, which they always can, it's one of those guys that can absolutely just tear open any any tournament. Yeah, and both those two guys, Clark and Melton, you know, they're pretty much, I wouldn't say they're like matchup proof guys because the number one thing we worry about those guys is are the minutes. But they probably both see an ex- a little bit of extended run if the game were to get out of hand like you like you think might happen as well. But I'm with you on the two main guys with Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson. I think Bain's probably the guy I'd end up with the most ownership on out of those two. Uh, but I definitely don't mind taking stabs at the other two as well. Just uh, probably won't go overboard. I think, like you said, though, they make for good tournament options where you're just trying to differentiate your lineup. Uh, On the other side of the ball, I know you wanted to talk about Isaiah Stewart. The minutes have been up. 5,400 is a fair price tag for him. Uh, He's going to be brawling with Steven Adams. These are two of the larger and tougher guys in the league. So there's going to be a lot of of man muscle smacking against each other, man. It's going to be a battle between these two. Uh, And I don't mind that price tag whatsoever. Just as long as he's playing 29 or more minutes at 5,400, he can easily return the value. Now, again, we uh, do have a couple things to worry about. And if the game does get out of hand... They have op- options between Olenek, Garza, Trey Lyles. Uh, wouldn't it shock me if one of those centers are on their way out during the trade deadline? We kind of have to monitor that. But I just I think he's probably a safer tournament play than cash, is my opinion on it, just because I am worried about this game total, uh, or not the total, the line itself. And if it does get out of hand, I think he's probably looking more along the 24 to 25-minute range. He's probably the only guy I'm really interested in. Uh, I won't fault you if you wanted to look at Grant because his price tag's next to nothing. Uh, he hasn't shot in the ball well pretty much any game since he's returned. He's really just struggled overall. Uh, but at 6,100, we know what his upside could be. So I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to take a stab on him in tournaments either. Yeah, fair enough. And the other side to look at is whether Kate Cunningham ends up actually playing here or sitting out. And if he is, or if he's not playing, then Hamido Diallo definitely comes back into play for me as well. Again, his shot attempts are always going to be there. As long as he's on the floor for 25 minutes or more, he's going to jack up 14 to 15 shots, no problem. And then I said the other aspect of it is just what ends up happening as far as the trade deadline is concerned. I just, I don't know whether Jeremy Grant's going to stay. There's been so many rumors that are going out there, so we're going to have to see exactly how that turns out. But as you said, if he's there, 6100 is definitely a high upside price tag for him. He just needs to kind of get right as far as his own game is concerned. Also hasn't been shooting all that well for three games straight, but the price tag's just too cheap. But if everything else kind of works out, Diallo at 4800 is a, is of interest to me. And also, 
he said if the game is slated to get out of hand, then Trey Lyles could find himself in a situation where he gets to play uh, back in his kind of mid-20s as far as minutes are concerned, which you know, gives him a lot of upside to be able to produce as well. He's been doing well even in just 18 minutes in the last uh, two games, but obviously that gives you a little bit more risk there. But at 4,100, there's worse players that you can go ahead and land on. I agree. Well, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, 7.30 Eastern Standard Time game. Brooklyn Nets traveling to Washington. This one has some deadline implications. Uh, I guess you could say both teams have been rumored to be shopping a few players. Uh, but we have Aldridge, Durant, Harden, Joe Harris, Paul Millsap all ruled out. Nick Claxton is questionable. And then we know Bradley Beal is ruled out for the rest of the season. Daniel Gafford still in these health and safety protocols. Uh, as far as NBA, I'd be surprised if we have a line. We do. 221.5, Washington favored by 1.5 points. Talk about this Brooklyn team. It's in a way game, so we can expect Kyrie Irving will be there. But a lot of ancillary options. Uh, a lot of good guards have been stepping up in the absence of James Harden sitting out. But who piques your interest the most? Yeah, that's exactly it. A lot of these ancillary pieces have been getting the opportunity to step up. And really the one that's kind of separated himself from the pack has been Cameron Thomas. Three straight games now in which he's played consistently well. Uh, his minutes have been in that 28 to 32 range, which has allowed him to be able to put up anywhere between 16 to 19 shots in that time as well. So just a great spot for him to be able to continue to produce. Hasn't had anything lower than 28.75 DK points in any of those three games. I expect not much of that to change. He's likely going to be the second most field goal attempts guy on this team after Kyrie Irving, who as the lone option there. I mean, he had an absolutely monstrous game against Denver. And despite the fact that that was a nasty blowout, he still played 41 minutes in that one. So, you know, just purely from the fact that nobody else is there, this actually isn't a bad matchup to be able to go ahead and take Kyrie. And given all the other uh, price up options out there, I actually think Kyrie is one of my favorites to be able to take tonight. Uh, Brooklyn, Washington is going to be a game that's pretty much all ancillary pieces on both sides other than Kyrie as the one superstar. So you could see him uh, getting that opportunity to really, really do some damage out there and try to get some of these other guys involved as well, which means Cam Thomas is in play. Patty Mills is definitely in play. And Patty Mills with that small forward eligibility as well at 5,000. We know the upside he has. If he can get hot from three, he can easily just absolutely smash that price tag and they're going to need whatever shooting they can get. I have a little less faith in some of these other, uh, you know, Blake Griffin, J James Johnson, their minutes are always up and down. James Johnson had a, a, a garbage time special in the last one where he went ahead and uh, put up 31.75. I wouldn't be going ahead and chasing that. Then we're going to stick with Kyrie and uh, Cam Thomas as my main guys here. I agree with you 100%. I'm right there on Cam. I'm right there on Kyrie. I prefer Kyrie over guys like Steph Curry. I prefer him over John Morant. Two guards at similar prices. Uh, I'd much rather have Kyrie. Kyrie also has that shooting guard eligibility. And I think him and Cam Thomas will probably be the two guys that draw the most ownership in. And you touched on the Blake Griffin and James Johnson. Great things to touch on because if Claxton plays, I think we can pretty much completely eliminate them uh, from our player pools. But they're not too too much like guys that you know guys I'm really too interested in. After I just had I think a mild stroke trying to talk just now. Um, on to the Washington side of things, I do have some interest over in here. Now we have to keep an eye on some of these bodies because we know a few of them have been mentioned. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's a guy that's been swirling around in some trade rumors, and we should have the news before this game tips off. Uh, with that being said, I do like him in this matchup at 6K. Uh, I think that's a great price tag for him, former player of Brooklyn, so a little narrative involved there. Uh, and then we've also heard the rumors of expanded roles for guys like Rui Hachimura uh, and for Denny. So we got to keep an eye on that. I don't know if that's going to happen immediately, uh, but Rui at 3,400 has played back-to-back -back games with at least 24 minutes. Hasn't really done much in them, but 3,400, if he's going to get a few extra shot attempts in a great matchup against Brooklyn, don't mind taking a stab at him. Uh, and then I also want to look at the center position because obviously 
Uh, when we know that there is no Daniel Gafford, it's only a two-man, I guess, battle uh, between Thomas Bryant and Montrose Harrell. And I think Harrell's the guy I'd want to lean with at 4,900. Wouldn't fault if you want to go to Kuzma. Uh, obviously, he's a great option. He's been very consistent outside of the last two games, especially when Beal's been off the floor. So really, it's going to be those three guys for the most part. It's going to be Harold. It's going to be Dinwiddie, maybe if you want to take a stab at like a Rui. Uh, but I wouldn't fall too on Kuzma as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the game line is kind of indicative of the fact that these guys are going to have to produce if they're going to keep it close. Otherwise, uh, Kyrie and the others are going to just run amok on them. Someone's going to have to score on the other side. Uh, apart from the guys that you mentioned, I do have interest in Aaron Holiday as well. And he's going to be the main guy who continues to start with Bradley Beal out. He got his minutes up to 28 in the last game. Uh, his shot attempts are pretty consistent at about exactly 10 in the last two games, but it's been the ancillary stats that have started to pick up over time. I do think he's going to get more of an opportunity to be a ball handler with Bradley Beal out with Washington, trying to see you know who can actually be something of, uh, of a productive nature as far as their guys are concerned at this point now. So at 3,700, a starter, I think that's a great spot to be able to go ahead and take him. Uh, Dinwiddie is the other one, but frankly, I just don't trust him to be able to do uh, what he did against, say, Philly consistently. He's just a guy that has very hot and cold games. He's had his own woes as far as the season's concerned. So Kuzma's okay. Aaron Holiday's probably the second guy I'm interested in. And by and large, I think I'm going to avoid most of the other guys, though Rui is on my uh, GPP player pool. All righty. We'll move on to the third game of the night. Miami Heat traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. Uh, Tyler Hero is probable along with Caleb Martin. And then we have Markeith Morris and Victor Oladipo. Uh, and Chris Silva all rolled out. And surprise, Markeith Morris is out, but it says the reason is return to competition reconditioning. So looks like we will be seeing Markeith again sometime this season. And for the Pelicans, really Hernan Gomez, Kira Lewis, Larry Nance Jr., and Zion are all ruled out. Now Vegas has this game total at 212. Miami is being favored by four points. I'll let you talk about the Heat here. I'm surprised. That, I mean, they're going against the Heat, so that's probably the lower game total. Uh, but I think this is going to be a little bit of a sneakier game with some fancy value in it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think in general, this is going to be a fun game to be able to see, especially because the Pelicans themselves are uh, now essentially coming out with what their rotation is going to be with all these guys gone. So I think there is a lot of value on there. And for them to be able to keep up with it, I think the Miami side is uh, of interest. Just plain and simple. Uh, Tyler Hero is probable in this game, 6,200, always in play. He's had two great games before. Uh, missing the uh, missing the previous one that he was ruled out for. I have no problem going ahead and taking him. We know the kind of shot attempts he's going to get. We've spoken about it again and again. A guy who's, who doesn't need to start to jack up 20 shots a game. I think you're always going to get that upside with him. And Kyle Lowry on the other side as well. He's looked great in the two games that he's come back. Hasn't had a, you know, a huge buffet as far as field goal attempts are concerned, but He's being efficient on there. His minutes are there, which is what's most important. And at 6,700, I'm always very comfortable taking him in that price range just because you know he's going to get his dimes. He's got uh, five and six in the last two games, but he's been consistently close to double digits for the vast majority of the season. Him and Bam working together has been excellent. So I expect uh, there to be a good bit of upside over there, especially if the Pelicans can keep it close. As, as always, I mean, Jimmy at 9,300, I think is a good price tag if the game is staying as close as otherwise is looking. Uh, I wouldn't fault you there. I do think that you know if we're going up to that price tag, I'll probably just look to pay for Kyrie instead and be a little bit cheaper on uh, on someone like a Jimmy. But uh, there's never any problem with taking him either. No, I'm kind of right there with you. I think I prefer Kyrie a little bit more. Uh, solid spot for Bam, but I, I think Kyle Lowry is probably the guy I'm going to be the most interested in. We haven't seen one of those even mediocre games from really Kyle Lowry since he's been back. That one game against Atlanta, which is also a fantastic matchup. But I mean, you probably heard me mention it 
plenty of times on this show. Let's see if you can remember. What two point guards do I love to target with other opposing point guards, Harris? Oh, is it anyone against uh, – is anyone against the Lakers at one point? Anyone against uh, – on the on the Hornets or Pelican side as well? Uh, yeah. So if you're going against Devontae Graham, things are going to go well for you. If you're going against Trey Young, it's going to go well for you. If it's going against the Lakers. Every Anybody in any position going against the Lakers right now is going to go well for you as well. Uh, so I do like targeting Devontae Graham. I think Kyle Lowry is at a rock-solid price tag at 6700 So uh, I will go back to that well in a few spots too. I don't mind that. It's just – the issue I run into with that is Dinwiddie's $700 cheaper, and I do like Dinwiddie as well. So we have a couple of those mid-tier options. I was even looking at my player tier for later, and I was like, I kind of like both these guys, but I probably overall still think I'd lean Dinwiddie slightly uh, just because I know I might want to run it back with some of those Brooklyn pieces. And on the Pelican side of the ball, there's not a whole lot I love here. And Now, I'm on the Jackson Hayes trade. I've been playing plenty of him. I just don't necessarily love him in this matchup. I think 5,600 is a very, very fair price tag. Uh, I probably will end up having a share or two. I'm not going to go overboard like I have been. Uh, it's just it's not an enticing matchup to target too many people going against Miami. He's probably the one guy I have the most interest in. I love Jonas's price, but also going against Bam Adebayo is not something I like to do. So I think when it's all said and done, I think Jackson Hayes is probably the only player I'm going to have in my player pool. And I'll leave it there and feel pretty comfortable with it. Uh, CJ will be in this matchup, so we're going to start to see some of the usage uh, dwindle from other players. And I don't want to target CJ in his first mat or in first game here with Miami. Um, so I think Jackson's probably the only guy I've any interest in. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Jackson has been the primary guy I've been targeting on this side as well. And we'll have to see how CJ actually works out because, I mean, A200 as probably. If not the first option, then 100% like 1A as far as this team's concerned. It's going to be something to be pretty interested in as far as the rest of the season goes, especially because the Pelicans are going to be making that hard run as far as uh, trying to get into at least the playing tournament. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, I'll stick with Jackson Hayes for now. And I always love myself some Herb Jones on the other side as well. But uh, he's pretty much continuing to do that uh, one good game, one bad game. And it looks like he's uh, coming on to that alternating bad game here. So uh, maybe I'll take this one on the chin and catch him on the next one. I like it. Take it on the chin. Uh, Toronto Raptors traveling to Houston, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game for the Rockets. Uzma Garuba ruled out. Eric Gordon's questionable, most likely going to be traded. Uh, the Raptors, second half of the back-to-back, so we do not have an injury report for them. 223 and a half game total, which is, I believe, the second highest that we have at the moment. Uh, third highest next to that Memphis Detroit one. I apologize. And then Toronto's being favored by six and a half, which I kind of think is a little disrespectful to your Raptors. Man. <laughs> a little disrespectful. But you talk about your team uh, and the Gary Trents. <laughs> I mean, six and a half is fair because we're going for, actually wouldn't be our seventh in a row. It would be our eighth win in a row. So that'd be cool to keep it going. I mean, the East is just getting absolutely nuts. I mean, from first to eighth, it's uh, what, five and a half games all the way through. So we could really start to see some change there. But it's it's the same story as it always as it always has been. We're going to see what happens as far as the trade deadline is concerned. But up until then, the starting lineup just continues to be the most rock solid picks that you can make on any given night. Uh, I'll I'll go back to it again. Gary Trent, sixty five hundred as the cheapest of the starters, it still continues to be a guy I will heavily target until he gets to that seven K range. I'm just going to keep it there. He hit it really well against the Charlotte game, thirty seven point seven five. Uh, this OKC game was you know, whatever doesn't really matter, but uh, he himself played well again so it's just one of those things where i think you can go with either him scott scotty barnes who actually played less minutes in that uh, in that game today against okc where he might see himself playing a little bit more against houston as well you know a little bit of a rookie battle on that side have him assert his dominance keep his rookie of the year 
plan alive, although I think Mobley has pretty much wrapped it up at this point. But beyond that, uh, if the game at six and a half, as you said, I, I don't expect it to be that close. I'll be honest, I think the Raptors will win this one by a double-digit one, so I'm not looking to heavily target either a Van Vliet or a Siakam on this one. But both those guys have just been playing at such a high level uh, going into this All-Star break that I don't think I could fault you with going with either of them. Yeah, that's kind of the boat I'm into. I, do I feel like they can keep this game close? I, I'm not going to say they can't. It's in the realm of possibilities. I think these guys make for better tournament plays than cash plays. Because if the game gets out of hand, we know that they have young players that they like to turn to. You know, Banton will get a couple minutes. We'll surely see that. They have seven centers and power forwards that they can just rotate around in different ways. Uh, where they have no problem taking Siakam off the floor if this game gets out of hand. So, I'm kind of with you. On tournaments, I wouldn't mind taking stabs at those guys. But for the most part, you know, we've already talked about Kyrie, who's a little bit more higher, higher priced than Vinsley, who's probably a little safer. And then I've talked about two guards who are a little, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 cheaper than Van Vliet who I think have good matchups and good you know, roles and responsibilities as well. So just don't see myself landing on them. It feels wrong knowing that Houston's going to be on this slate and we're not heavily targeting the team going against them. So, again, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I wouldn't fault you. If you think the game could stay competitive, I mean, for real, all five of the starters are very much in play. Uh, but you're going to want to run it back with somebody, so we'll slide over to Houston. If that's the case, if you are playing some of these guys, uh, only guy I have been playing on Houston, I'd say for the past better half of a month, has been Kevin Porter Jr., I got him in that game against the Pelicans. I feel like chasing him twice in a row is usually not my recipe for success. So I'll probably hop off of him. But really, realistically, he's the only guy I have pretty much any interest in at this point in time. Sangoon's minutes have been up. Wouldn't fault if you wanted to go there for 4,800. Uh, but we have some other center options that we spoke about. Only thing that kind of intrigues me is that he has power forward eligibility now. So if you can play him there, it's a little bit more easier to get him in a lineup. Yeah, that power forward eligibility was going to be the reason why I was going to call Sangoon out. Just as you said, his minutes are up. He's consistently in that 28-minute range, which and we've already seen a number of times throughout the season that he just needs anywhere close to that to be able to absolutely smash his value. And I think below 5K is a great spot to be able to go ahead and take. Uh, as far as power forward eligibility is concerned, I mean, there's not, other than the Jaron Jackson pick that I spoke about early on in the beginning, there's not too many guys that I'm like just absolutely cock-a-hoot going after, uh, except for you know, maybe on the Clippers side, we'll speak a little bit about uh, a certain center that got minutes in the last game, could be getting more minutes going forward with certain moves happening there as well. So perhaps we'll go to that and see there. But Kevin Porter Jr. just continues to be absolutely rock solid for what he's been doing. Uh, I still do believe from a GPP perspective, Jalen Green is a good pick to be able to go. I did catch him on that Cleveland game, but then I, I did run it back for a couple of games after where he hasn't done as well, though the next Pelicans game, he wasn't too bad either. So, you know, it's just one of those guys that can, uh, you know, you just keep chucking it up and happen to get hot, and then that's great. And uh, I always kind of keep a little bit of my uh, upside play there with someone like a Jalen Green. Absolutely. Well, that was a good segue because now we will talk about those Clippers. They are traveling to Dallas, um, actually going to the rematch of this game on Saturday. Pretty excited for that. Uh, but we'll get to the injury report here. For the Mavericks, Sterling Brown is questionable. Chris Stapps, Tim Hardaway Jr. both pulled out. Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, only main guys that we really need to talk about. Preston, Jason Grubb, both, both those guys both rolled out as well, but they generally don't play on most nights anyway. Uh, two fourteen and a half game total. Dallas being favored by five and a half. Lead with the elephant in the room, my friend. 
And the elephant in the room is uh, right at my heart with Hartenstein at 3,800. Finally got uh, his real opportunity in that last game. Sergi Baca was a DNP, and I have a feeling he's on the move as far as uh, the trade deadline is concerned. We're going to have to see if that actually materializes. But in general, I think we're going to start to see uh, Hartenstein get more of an opportunity to actually go ahead and play. We saw the upside in that Memphis game. I don't even necessarily think he needs uh, 28 minutes to be able to do that. Zubats had some foul trouble early, which allowed him to get in a little bit more. But just in general, he's just clearly shown himself to, in my opinion, be the best option for them in that front court. So a huge, uh, huge play for me. I think he's going to be highly owned as well. But frankly, he's going to be worth it to be able to do that. Uh, Batum is down to 3,700, which is for good reason, because finally, I, I didn't understand why Covington was the 10th guy to come off uh, as far as the bench was concerned in that game. But he did end up getting to 29 minutes over there, which to me at 5,000, I as a personal fan of Covington, I think he's getting more involved with the offense in this in this team now. He's going to get the opportunity to be that little bit more of a Swiss Army knife guy that he has been in teams that actually know how to use him in the offense. So he's great. And then Norman Powell, 6,800, first option, clear cut on this team. Uh, he's been shooting lights out in the two games that he's come there. It's the ancillary stats that still need to kind of pick up to be able to get there. Not, you know, not my favorite I pick to be able to go ahead and throw in at 6,800. I think Gary Trent at 6,500 is probably uh, what I like no, more. No, on, no way, man. Come yeah, on. Man. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> I don't think the answer. So basically my problem, as much as I love Norman Powell and I probably will jump in it, I don't know if he's, first of all, getting to that 30 minute mark just as of yet the Clippers just seem to be running with like nine, 10 guys and they're just like yeah let's just throw everyone out there because you know this season is pretty much a lost cause anyways until we try to figure out what's going on but yeah the the offensive upside is absolutely there it's the lack of ancillary stats that kind of always end up holding him back but hey I'm never going to fault anyone for taking Norm Powell I love the guy and I think this price tag is a good place for him I was almost you know sarcastically joking uh, with the with the Gary Chan thing I wouldn't fault you for that either I do want to point out though they the two games he has been there have been complete blowouts, which I think is part of the reason they limited his minutes. One game they lost, but I think it was like 23 or 24, and the other game was like 26. Uh, if this game happens to stay close, I think he he's a Sherlock for 30 minutes. Uh, 6800 is a fantastic price tag, but you said it perfectly. He is the clear-cut number one option on offense for this team at this point. And uh, this dude's probably going to take close to 18 shot attempts is what I imagine. So I think I prefer him still over over Gary Trent, but I wouldn't fault you for that. I mean, Gary Trent's in a better matchup. Uh, you just really need to focus on this game staying close. But I'm right there with you with Hartenstein. He's probably my favorite value on the slate as of right now. Uh, yeah, you talked about Serge Baca being on the move. Zubak's probably on the move uh, as well. I think he's on an expiring deal. They talked about shopping both of these big men a little bit. So I wouldn't be shocked if one, if not both of these guys are traded and they just begin to lean on Hartenstein very heavily uh, going into the rest of the year, playing a little bit of Marcus Morris at the backup five when they need to, which I think is part of the reason why they wanted Covington so that they can start playing Covington at the four if they want to go small ball and play Morris at the five. Uh, it gives them a little bit more versatility, and then they just can slide Powell up to the three. And then, as we know, they have a plethora of shooting guards between Coffee and Mann to pair with Reggie Jackson in the backcourt, which I don't even think they're done shopping. I think they're going to end up getting a couple, uh, at least one more pick and piece back from one of those big man trades. On the Dallas side of the ball, not really interested in a whole lot here, my friend. Uh, I do think Luka is always in play. I think that Giannis is a better play if I'm spending 12K. That's just the way I'm going to approach the slate and how I am approaching it. Now, granted, on the last slate, I had both Luca and Giannis, and it worked out well for me. Uh, but I just think that, you know, 12-4 is an expensive price tag, and I think Giannis is in a more competitive matchup. And we saw what Giannis did to that Suns team during the finals. He had no problem getting 60-plus DK points on a regular basis against him. So 
that's probably the route I'm going to take. The only other guy I think is possibly even worth mentioning at this point might be Reggie Bullock um, at 5,200. But at 5,200, there's better options, I think, out there where I just don't think I need to go to really anybody over here on Dallas. Yeah, no, I think you've pretty much got it. I think uh, Luca will probably get to like 4.8x on his value, which at that price tag, there's just better options to be able to go ahead and get. You just don't trust him to be able to get 60 60 plus in this kind of a matchup right now. I don't even know if they'll keep it that close for him to do that. And Reggie Bullock, as as well as he has been playing 5200, there's just not enough ancillary stats coming from him outside of his like couple of freak rebounding games, which I can't really rely on to be able to do at any sort of consistency. So I'm just going to go ahead and avoid all these guys and move on to the next game. Knicks traveling to Golden State, taking on the Warriors. For the injury report, Warriors on the second half of a back-to-back, but we know that uh, Otto Porter is most likely to sit. Steve Kerr came out and said he was going to sit one of these games in the back-to-back he played tonight. So he'll likely sit this one out. We'll probably get Clay Thompson back in there as well. Looney ended up shooting up. Uh, and then for the Knicks, R.J. Barrett is doubtful. Do we finally get to see Cam Reddish is the question. Uh, and then Quentin Grimes, Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson are all questionable. And then Derek Rose continues to be out. And then for the Vegas total, we're looking at 217, 8.5 point spread being favored to the Warriors, I will pass it over to you and answer that question. Do you think we get Reddish playing any significant minutes? Or is he still... I mean, if he doesn't play with Barrett out, I don't know when they're going to play him. Yeah, exactly. At this point, if they're going to play him at some point, they have to play him now. So, I mean, at 3,600, I'll probably go ahead and take the... Uh, take the shot at it and see if he can get himself up to 20, 25 to 28 minutes. But really, I think it's going to be Alec Burks that just Tom Thibodeau loves him. They're going to get more of an opportunity to uh, get him up to that 30 minutes mark Had a, he doesn't have the greatest upside ever as far as his uh, points are concerned. He was showing it early on in the season, but hasn't really been doing it as of late. So I'll probably have him a little bit in my player pool just because of his small forward eligibility as well. But in general, this is going to be if if this match is going to stay close, it's going to be because they need Randall to go absolutely crazy. So it comes down to really what you what you believe as far as the game script is concerned for this. I don't necessarily love Randall at 9100, but the fact that he is going to be taking every shot that he can possibly get his eye on as far as this game is concerned does give me hope that uh, he could probably do pretty well. I mean, he's coming. Uh, on an absolute heater, uh, four straight games in which he's been 45 or better as far as DK Moits are concerned. His shot has been a lot better in the last three games where he's been 50% in that as well. So as much as I don't uh, particularly love him in uh, a Golden State matchup, he did do quite well against them the first game as well. Dropped 48 DK points, 31 real points. So I think he's in a pretty good spot to be able to produce. And if the uh, Golden State Warriors don't absolutely go crazy, then I think Randall could find himself in a pretty good shot to uh, do five to six X here. Yeah, I don't follow you on the Randall call either. I think that, it, like you said, if this game stays competitive, it's good because he's playing well or Evan Fournier is having one of those games where he's actually shooting the ball somewhat well. Uh, I do like Alec Burks at 4,800. He burned me in that last one. It's just always tough targeting a guy like him because they rely on him for his defense, and that's why Thibodeau loves him so much. Uh, he is the polar opposite of Kemba Walker defense, where eh, when you're going to be the defensive point guard, you're going to be chasing a guy named Steph Curry around on the floor all night long. Uh, and that tires you out. A guy plays crazy, crazy running off those off-ball screens, really kind of forcing that guard to just chase him around, run into some bigger bodies. So I, I don't fault you if you want to go there at 4,800. I think we've talked about a couple other options around that 4,800 range. It really just comes down to, I guess, if you're playing anybody on Golden State where you want to run it back with some action, uh, kind of correlate your lineup a little bit. I think Taj Gibson might be look, worth a look if we see that both Robinson and Noel sit out. Obviously, if just Robinson sits out, you can look at Noel. 
Uh, probably not a matchup. I want to pay 5600 for for Robinson. So for the most part, it's going to be Taj Gibson based on the news, probably a little bit of Alec Burks. And if you if you have the stones to throw a dart at the wall and hope that you hit a bullseye with Cam Reddish, again, this would be the game to do it. But Hartenstein's the better play at that price tag. Uh, on the Warriors side of things, I think Clay Thompson at 6500 certainly in play. Uh, we know that he rested in that Wednesday game, but they increased his minutes limit. To, he's now playing, able to play 30 minutes uh, at 6500 The price tag continues to go up. It was 63 last time. But now we're talking about at least 31 DK points at four out of the last five games. He has the upside, just be lightning in a bottle. Uh, if the shot's been actually falling much, much better. He's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, we're going to see it game by game. This dude's going to get a little better each time. So I wouldn't fault if you wanted to go there. Not playing pool. Porter Jr. likely to sit, which would obviously give a little bit of a boost to a guy like Kaminga at 4300 But he'll have his hand full trying to deal with Randall. But at 4300 he's in play. So those are the two main guys I'd be looking at. Anybody else I did not mention that you're interested in? No, I think you've uh, I think you've hit those one on here. As long as I'm avoiding Curry, which I plan to do on this one, uh, Wiggins remains the uh, main guy that I'm looking at. And I, I do think I like Poole to be able to play on this matchup. I mean, he himself has been playing well in uh, the last three games. Yes, he won't have that uh, 24 shot attempts that he got against San Antonio, but uh, you know, again, that 60 that 6,000 price range is one where there's a number of guys that you could potentially go to, and all of them have great range to be able to go and get to that six uh, uh, X mark. But between Desmond Bain, Gary Trent, and Norm Powell, I'd probably be preferring all of those over Poole. So that's where my tier list would go as far as that's concerned. All right. Final game of the night. We have Milwaukee traveling to Phoenix. A little rematch here uh, for the Bucks. Grayson Allen is probable. George Hill, Brooke Lopez both ruled out. And then the Suns look to be completely healthy outside the bodies that they've been missing. And Kaminsky, Abdul Nader, Campaign, Dara Sarich, and Landry Shamet. Game totals 232.5. Phoenix favored by 3.5 points here. Side game total. It's a close spread. Where does Giannis rank for you? Yeah, and straight up, I'm going to say this is going to be the game of the night to watch as, as a real basketball fan, but also just from a potential you know, finals rematch. All, but there's so many stories that go over here that Giannis is absolutely in play for me. If it, other, It's between him and Kyrie as to who I prefer the most. I do think Giannis has the capability to just absolutely go crazy in this game. Uh, he's going to be required to play. 35 minutes in this one. I don't expect him to be able to sit out early. Phoenix is not going to be going away anytime soon. So 100% one of my key plays to be able to go ahead and get over here. And that allows me to then look at the Phoenix side in which I have a little bit of interest as well. But plain and simple, it's been, it's been Giannis for me and it's been Bobby Portis for me. Those have been the two ma- major bucks that I've been targeting. Uh, Drew has always been solid. I think that price tag is pretty fair for how well he has been playing. I mean, his last two games have been way above that. But, you know, you know that he'll usually end up in that kind of mid to high 30s range on a, on a normal game unless he happens to have a, a better shooting night than normal. So a little bit of risk that you're taking, but if Giannis is having a, a good game, it's because Drew is probably getting the ball to him to those double digit assist totals that he's been getting in the last bo- in the last two. So that's great. Uh, that allows me to kind of say that I don't want to take Middleton in, in this matchup. Just in general, I, I think the offense is going to go mostly through Drew and Giannis as far as this game is concerned. Uh, Middleton has kind of been uh, 
more of an ancillary piece than he has been in the last little while. Hasn't been shooting necessarily all that well in the last four games as well. And just by and large, looks a little bit more passive than we've usually seen him. And it's kind of like off and on for him. You'll see when he gets on and when he gets going. And he hasn't really had that breakthrough game since the Sacramento matchup. So I'm going to see until he actually shows me that before I think that I'm going to go ahead and take him, even though his price tag is actually pretty good. Yeah, no, I I like to kind of look at him when he's under 8K, but I'm kind of with you. Plus, he's most likely going to have the defensive assignment of Macau Bridges all over him. I don't think they'll put Bridges on Giannis, but we'll I guess we'll have to see. Uh, but I'm right there with you. I think Giannis, if I'm spending over a price tag over Kyrie, it's on Giannis. So there's no question to me. Uh, 12K in a matchup where you know he's probably going to give it his all, bring everything he's got to the table. Uh, the Suns didn't have an answer for him in the finals, and they haven't really made the roster moves to have an answer for him now. So I think going right back to him after him coming off of a massive 80-plus DK point game feels like a good option there. Um, I'm with you with the holiday call. I probably won't end up on too many shares of him uh, just based on some of the other things that we've already spoke about and some of these other guards that we spoke about in that 6K range where from a lineup standpoint construction, I don't think I necessarily need to go that way. But he's certainly in play. Those are probably the two primary targets I'd be looking at. Don't love, don't hate Bobby Portis. Uh, we know his upside. He's always got a pretty solid floor. And at 6,800, that does feel a little bit too cheap for him. So he'd probably be the third option to round it out. So we're pretty much in agreement there. On the Sun side of the ball, uh, things definitely get a little bit more interesting over here. I think DeAndre Ayton at 66, he'd probably be the reason I don't end up with as much Bobby Portis because if I want to run it back with somebody, he'd probably be my number one target to do so. Uh, I think that is just a little too cheap for Aiton. The minutes are now back up. He played 30 minutes in that last game against Philly. That stayed close. He had pretty much an abysmal game, only put up 10 and 6. But that was going against Joel Embiid, which is a much tougher matchup. And Aiton is one of the reasons why they were able to take two games uh, in that final. So uh, he played great throughout that entire playoff series. He really stepped up in this matchup for as much as he possibly could. And I think this is just kind of one of those picture-perfect matchups for him. So I will have some shares of Aiton at 66. And then if I wanted to play somebody else like, you know, in that value range, I think Jay Crowder at 44 might not be a bad option. Uh, he usually gets up for these types of games. He's a very energetic player. He's got 29 DK points or more over the last two, with including a 35 against Chicago. They're going to need him for as much defense as they could probably handle size-wise. And no one really matches up size-wise against Giannis. But just pure defensive ability and being able to move his feet quick enough with Giannis is probably going to be the reason why he plays 30-plus minutes in this one. And I'll never fault you if you want to look at Chris Paul or Devin Booker. I mean, Chris Paul has been just playing out of his mind over the last month, month and a half. His price tag has come down a little bit. He's at 92 uh, over the past, I would say, about five, six games. He was close to 10K. So he's probably, it's tough with, between him and Booker, but I think I'd probably end up leaning more of Chris Paul over Devin Booker. Nonetheless, it's up to you. I think at the end of the day, though, I end up trying to find a way to Kyrie over both those guys. And just leading with Aiton and Giannis if I'm trying to pair somebody up in this final game. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Although, speaking of kind of getting up for the game, these are the kind of games that I do love targeting Chris Paul for. So if I'm going to be avoiding a Kyrie, Kyrie situation, I would probably end up going with Chris end up going with Chris Paul just for not only the fact that, as you said, his price tag has been depressed, but in a matchup in which... He also was just absolutely on fire in this in that finals. That's you know apart from the fact that DeAndre Ayton was just crazy, is because Chris Paul was also able to get him into those spots. And in these kind of matchups is where you see his shot attempts actually go up. You know that 18, 20 field goal attempts those come up in in the kind of matchups in which it's required from him in the fourth to be able to take over, to be able to actually assert himself offensively and get uh, more of that going. So 
as much as Devin Booker has been playing out of his mind for the last two games, uh, he's been you know getting 23 shots up. He's been hitting over 55% on average in the last two games. He said, I think I'm going to be leaning more towards Chris Paul. Uh, I like Jay Crowder for that price at 4,400. But again, it's it's one of those where it's not the sexiest pick. And honestly, I'd probably go Sangoon over him at 48, just from the fact that I believe Sangoon has more upside. He's in a faster matchup and he's going to start getting more minutes. And frankly, depending on how things work out as far as Detroit's concerned, I may even be looking at a uh, Hamido Diallo or a Trey Lyles. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. But Chris Paul and, uh, and DeAndre Ayton are going to be my major guys as well. Perfect, man. That rounds out the entire slate. We're going to get to the player tier segment now, my friend. I will let you start with your expensive tier player. Yeah, and I, and I think just given everything that we've said and the possibility of him doing so much more than just his price tag, it's got to be Kyrie Irving at 10400 with absolutely nobody on both sides. Uh, Kyrie's going to be the lone guy standing. He's going to be required to do all that's needed on offense. The Nets need a W badly to be able to stop the bleeding from where they've gotten all the way down to the eighth seed at this point. So uh, for Kyrie, he's going to be looking to end that nine-game losing streak again in a matchup where Washington's missing out all their guys and I expect him to have a monster game. I'll take the cop-out and go with Giannis. Uh, easy cop-out right there. I just don't like a lot of the other spend-ups on the slate, and pretty much those are two of the only primary options over 8K, maybe outside of, like, we talked about uh, maybe like a Chris Paul, uh, that I see myself having ownership, and I see myself having significant ownership in those two guys compared to Chris Paul. And then for your mid-tier option, and this is where it's like, do, do I do it? Do I do it again? No, I'm, do it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with what I spoke about early. I think Desmond Bain is in a great spot to be able to go ahead and get right. Uh, we've seen just how impressive he has been throughout the season as far as his offense is concerned. He is a legit second to third option on that team as well and just has been having a bad stretch of shooting games. Uh, his his minutes have kind of gone down as a result as well, but it, those have been two blowout games. I expect this one uh, to be an opportunity for him to kind of get his shot back and get his uh, his confidence back because Memphis are going to need it if they're going to continue to be as dominant as they have been. So I was stuck on Cam Thomas and Spencer Dinwiddie are two of the guys that stand out the most, uh, both in a matchup against each other. I think Cam Thomas will have much higher ownership, so I'll probably lean with Spencer Dinwiddie here at 6K. I think that's a little too cheap with no be on the floor. Uh, we've seen the minutes get kind of restricted over the past few games due to matchups. And, you know, maybe he gets traded, maybe he doesn't. We have to kind of see. But if this game stays relatively close, I imagine he plays 30-plus minutes. And at 6K, I would be expecting probably anywhere between a 30 and 40 DK point return, uh, which is not bad if you end up getting 5X from him. You can live with that. But we're really shooting for that, you know, that nice 7X or something like that. So let's hope for the 42 DK points. Uh, and then your value play. Who are you looking at? So here I was going to say, I thought we were going with 5K or less for the value because Cam Thomas was going to be the guy that I... Uh, oh, no, my here. friend. It's 4,900 or less. <laughs> ah, 4,900 or less. All right, well then, in that case, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go with the easy cop-out as well here. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, 3,800. is just going to be a guy that doesn't need any more than, frankly, 16 to 18 minutes to be able to go ahead and break that value. He's just so incredible as far as points per minute are concerned. Uh, obviously coming off a great game, so he's going to have a good bit of usage but or a good bit of ownership. But I think this is the kind of chalk that you have to eat, especially if any of these moves happen. So definitely keep an eye out for the trade deadline at, was it, 2 p.m. tomorrow? It's going to be tight. Here I am thinking you're going to say Sangoon and just leave Hartenstein for me. Uh, of course, you didn't do that, though. You're a good guy. You're a good guy. Um, I could. I, I was between two guys then after I had a feeling that you might take him. And that would leave me with probably either the likes of a Jay Crowder, who we spoke about, 
uh, well, I spoke about that I am pretty interested in just based off of this matchup. Uh, and it also left me with Kaminga at 4,300. I think both those guys are very similar price tags. Kaminga comes with more risk. I think that he's probably your tournament play, and I think Jay Crowder would probably be the cash play just because he's got a pretty consistent role in these matchups. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, if this game gets out of hand, you know, we can see Kaminga get into foul trouble pretty easily against a guy like Julius Randle, uh, and it might be tough for him to stay on the floor. So I, I don't, I wouldn't trust him in cash lineups, but in tournaments, I think I'll, I'll rock with him. A um, little bit of a cop-out answer because I kind of gave two, but just my thought process, if I could speak, behind it. And then now we'll slide over to our Thrive Fantasy picks and some decent options on this slate, my friend. I will let you lead it off. What is your top Thrive Fantasy option? And then maybe tell us why. Yeah, and I think there's just a lot of these ones that are just great at, at that nice round 100-point mark. And I think they, there's a couple that I could go with, but I think Kyrie, again, at 30.5 total, over at 100 points, points and rebounds combined. Honestly, you could probably beat that just in points, given what's going to be required from him offensively. So I feel that's a pretty solid lock to be able to go ahead and get that in there and, yeah, rack up those 100 points. But since you gave two on the last one, I'm going to be uh, a little cheeky and go ahead and do that, too. And I think that Jordan Poole is actually going to be an, another over at uh, 100 points for his 20.5 total as well. So can you work like real quickly? Can you just say the first one again? Because you cut out on my side, and I think it might have been my my end. I don't think it was your end, but just in case, uh, if it ends up cutting out as we record this, just so our listeners don't miss out on your Thrive picks. Um, I heard the second, just not the first. Fair enough. Yeah, the first one was Kyrie Irving, thirty point five total points and rebounds. I do believe he'll be over at a hundred points. Fair enough, my friend. Uh, and then uh, that's the one I was, I think was standing out the most to me as well. I thought that was just kind of pretty much a, a Sherlock. If I had to see a Sherlock, um, I'm looking at a couple, I think the under, on the Jeremy Grant, 18 and a half points, I think with the way he's been playing, he could easily hit that, but he's, he's been struggling, uh, getting his feet underneath him after that thumb surgery. So that's one Oh five points. I felt pretty solid about that one. Uh, and then if I wanted to look at another one, I'd probably look at the, Bam points, rebounds, assists at 33 and a half. That would give you another 105 for the over over there. Uh, those would probably be the two that I would point out. And that's everything. So, as always, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening, taking the time out of your day to go onto your podcast app to open this up, hit play, and put us into your ears. We always do appreciate it. Uh, but since you guys went through all those steps, what's one more? Go five stars, thumbs up, subscribe, wherever you listen. Uh, follow us on Twitter. At Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can follow Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That's H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. And we'll be back tomorrow. It will be Mr. Santino. It will be Dave Mankoff. They'll be handling that Friday slate for you guys. And a little update for you all. You're going to get to hear Harris a little bit more now. He is going to be taking over for Santino on those wonderful Sunday slates so you're going to be doing double time, my friend. You're going to be doing a Sunday morning show, a Sunday night show. You're going to be putting in the man work, the man hours, and you're going to get the people what they want, and they're going to get to hear you a little bit more. So super excited for you to start doing that for us, man. Uh, Santino's schedule and Harris' schedules, they need to switch because work happens. So Santino will be writing a couple more articles for us over here, uh, and you will be podcasting a little bit more. Glad to have you on the airwaves a little bit more, though. I think it's going to be awesome.
No, I'm looking forward to doing it. As long as people don't get annoyed of my voice, I'm happy to talk as much as I can about ball, especially with the trade deadline coming up. Man, this is always the most exciting time of the year for me personally. It's like it's 33% more Gary Trent advice is what you guys are going to get right there. So, uh, no, I, I, you, you give good advice, man, uh, outside of Gary Trent. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, thanks for joining me, man. It's always a good show. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we get out of here? No, no, not at all. Just as, uh, just as Mike said, get on there, give us those five stars, and we'll just keep coming at you with all the best tips that we can possibly give, man. That's it. Well said, my friend. Thank you, guys. Take care, and let's go take down a tournament.